Brothers and sisters, each of us also carries a load. Our individual load is comprised of demands and opportunities, obligations and privileges, afflictions and blessings, and options and constraints. Sometimes we mistakenly may believe that happiness is the absence of a load. But bearing a load is a necessary and essential part of the plan of happiness. Because our individual load needs to generate spiritual traction, we should be careful to not haul around in our lives so many nice but unnecessary things that we are distracted and diverted from the things that truly matter most. The Savior said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are not and never need be alone. We can press forward in our daily lives with heavenly help. Through the Savior's Atonement, we can receive capacity and strength beyond our own. As the Lord declared, Therefore continue your journey and let your hearts rejoice. For behold and lo, I am with you even unto the end. Not only does the Atonement of Jesus Christ overcome the effects of the fall of Adam and make possible the remission of our individual sins and transgressions, but His Atonement also enables us to do good and become better in ways that stretch far beyond our mortal capacities. Most of us know that when we do things wrong and need help to overcome the effects of sin in our lives, the Savior has made it possible for us to become clean through His redeeming power. But do we also understand that the Atonement is for faithful men and women who are obedient, worthy, and conscientious? and who are striving to become better and serve more faithfully. I wonder if we fully acknowledge this strengthening aspect of the Atonement in our lives and mistakenly believe we must carry our load all alone through sheer grit, willpower, and discipline and with our obviously limited capacities. It is one thing to know that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die for us. But we also need to appreciate that the Lord desires, through His Atonement and by the power of the Holy Ghost, to enliven us, not only to guide but also to strengthen and heal us. The Savior has suffered not just for our sins and iniquities, but also for our physical pains and anguish, our weaknesses and shortcomings, our fears and frustrations, our disappointments and discouragement, our regrets and remorse, our despair and desperation, the injustices and the inequities we experience, and the emotional distresses that beset us. There is no physical pain, no spiritual wound, no anguish of soul or heartache no infirmity or weakness you or I ever confront in mortality 
that the Savior did not experience first. In a moment of weakness, we may cry out, no one knows what it is like. No one understands. But the Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for He has felt and borne our individual burdens. And because of His infinite and eternal sacrifice, He has perfect empathy and can extend to us His arm of mercy. He can reach out, touch, succor, heal, and strengthen us to be more than we could ever be and help us do that which we could never do, relying only upon our own power. Indeed, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. The unique burdens in each of our lives help us to rely upon the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy Messiah. I testify and promise the Savior will help us to bear up our burdens with ease as we are yoked with Him through sacred covenants and receive the enabling power of His Atonement in our lives, we increasingly will seek to understand and live according to His will. We also will pray for the strength to learn from, change, or accept our circumstances rather than praying relentlessly for God to change our circumstances according to our will. We will become agents who act rather than objects that are acted upon. We will be blessed with spiritual traction. There is something in us, at least in too many of us, that particularly fails to forgive and forget earlier mistakes in life, either mistakes we ourselves have made or the mistakes of others. That is not good. It is not Christian. It stands in terrible opposition to the grandeur and majesty of the Atonement of Christ. To be tied to earlier mistakes, our own or other people's, is the worst kind of wallowing in the past from which we are called to cease and desist. That happens in marriages too and in other relationships we have. I can't tell you the number of couples I've counseled who, when they're deeply hurt or even just deeply stressed, reach farther and farther and farther into the past to find yet a bigger brick to throw through the window pane of their marriage, spelled P-A-I-N. When something is over and done with, when it has been repented of as fully as it can be repented of, when life has moved on as it should, and a lot of other wonderfully good things have happened since then, it is not right to go back and open up some ancient wound which the Son of God Himself died trying to heal. Let people repent. Let people grow. Believe that people can change and improve. 
Is that faith? Yes. Is that hope? Yes. Is it charity? Yes, above all, it is charity. The pure love of Christ. If something is buried in the past, leave it buried. Such dwelling on past lives, including past mistakes, is just not right. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. In these cases of marriage and family, and wards and apartments and neighborhoods, we can end up destroying so many, many others. Perhaps at this beginning of a new year, there is no greater requirement for us than to do as the Lord himself said he does. And I quote, Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. The provision, of course, is that repentance has to be sincere. But when it is, and when honest effort is being made to progress, we are guilty of the greater sin. If we keep remembering and recalling and rebashing someone with their earlier mistakes, and that someone might be ourselves, we can be so hard on ourselves, often much more so than with others. Forgive. And do that which is harder than to forgive. Forget. And when it comes up to mind again, forget it again. You can remember just enough to avoid repeating the mistake. Dismiss the destructive and keep dismissing it until the beauty of the atonement of Christ has revealed to you your bright future and the bright future of your family and your friends and your neighbors. God doesn't care nearly as much about where you've been as he does about where you are and with his help where you are willing to go. This is an important matter to consider at the start of a new year. And every day ought to be the start of a new year and a new life. Such is the wonder of faith and repentance and the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith is for the future. Faith builds on the past, but never longs to stay there. Faith trusts that God has great things in store for each of us, and that Christ truly is the high priest of good things to come. Today I wish to encourage you in the troubles you face. Our mortal life is designed by a loving God to be a test and source of growth for each of us. You remember God's words regarding his children at the creation of the world. And we will prove them herewith 
to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them. Since the beginning, the tests have not been easy. We face trials that come from having mortal bodies. All of us live in a world where Satan's war against truth and against our personal happiness is becoming more intense. The world and your life can seem to you to be in increasing commotion. My reassurance is this, simply. The loving God who allowed these tests for you also designed a sure way to pass through them. Heavenly Father so loved the world that he sent his beloved Son to help us. His Son, Jesus Christ, gave his life for us. Jesus Christ bore in Gethsemane and on the cross the weight of all our sins. He experienced all the sorrows, the pains, the effects of our sins so that he could comfort us and strengthen us through every test in life. You may be momentarily disheartened. Remember, life is not meant to be easy. Trials must be borne and grief endured along the way. As you remember that with God, nothing shall be impossible. Know that he is your father. You are the son or daughter created in his image, entitled through your worthiness to receive revelation, to help with your righteous endeavors. You may take upon you the holy name of the Lord. You can qualify to speak in the sacred name of God. Close quote. For many of you, your faith in him is increasing. You are feeling more hope and optimism, and you are feeling the pure love of Christ for others and for yourself. I realize that some of you listening today may feel that your faith and hope are being overcome by your troubles, and you may yearn to feel love. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has opportunities near you to feel and to share his love. You can pray with confidence for the Lord to lead you to someone for him. He answers the prayers of meek volunteers like you. You will feel the love of God for you and for the person you serve for him. As you help children of God in their troubles, your own troubles will seem lighter. Your faith and your hope will be strengthened. Everyone's situation is different, and the details of each life are unique. Nevertheless, I have learned that there is something that will take away the bitterness that may come into our lives. There's one thing we can do to make life sweeter, even joyful, and even glorious. We can be grateful. 
might sound contrary to the wisdom of the world to suggest that one who is burdened with sorrow should give thanks to God. But those who set aside the bottle of bitterness and lift instead the goblet of gratitude can find a purifying drink of healing, peace and understanding. As disciples of Christ, we're commanded to thank the Lord our God in all things, to sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, and to let our heart be full of thanks unto God. Why does God command us to be grateful? All of his commandments are given to make blessings available to us. Commandments are opportunities to exercise our agency and to receive blessings. Our loving Heavenly Father knows that choosing to develop a spirit of gratitude will bring us true joy and great happiness. But some might say, what? Do I have to be grateful for when my world is falling apart? Perhaps focusing on what we are grateful for is the wrong approach. It is difficult to develop a spirit of gratitude if our thankfulness is only proportional to the number of blessings we can count. True, it is important to frequently count our blessings. And anyone who has tried this knows there are many. But I don't believe that the Lord expects us to be less thankful in times of trial than in times of abundance and ease. In fact, most of the scriptural references do not speak of gratitude for things, but rather suggest an overall spirit or attitude of gratitude. Could I suggest that we see gratitude as a disposition, a way of life that stands independent of our current situation. In other words, I'm suggesting that instead of being thankful for things, we focus on being thankful in our circumstances, whatever they may be. Dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. We can choose to be grateful no matter what. This type of gratitude transcends whatever happening around us. It surpasses disappointment discouragement and despair. It blooms just as beautifully in the icy landscape of winter as it does in the blessed warmth of summer. We sometimes think that being grateful is what we do after our problems are solved. But how terribly short-sighted that is. How much of life do we miss by waiting to see the rainbow before thanking God that there is rain? Being grateful in our circumstances is an act of faith in God. 
It requires that we trust God and hope for things we may not see, but which are true. By being grateful, we follow the example of our beloved Savior who said, Not my will, but thine be done. Your testimony of Christ, born of the Holy Ghost, can help you look past the disappointing endings in mortality and see the bright future that the Redeemer of the world has prepared. In light of what we know about our eternal destiny, is it any wonder that whenever we face the bitter endings of life, they seem unacceptable to us? There seems to be something inside of us that resists endings. Why is this? Because we are made of the stuff of eternity. We are eternal beings, children of the Almighty God, whose name is endless and who promises eternal blessings without number. Endings are not our destiny. The more we learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the more we realize that endings here in mortality are not endings at all. They are merely interruptions, temporary pauses that one day will seem small compared to the eternal joy awaiting the faithful. How grateful I am to my Heavenly Father that in His plan there are no true endings. Gratitude is a catalyst to all Christ-like attributes. A thankful heart is the parent of all virtues. The Lord has given us His promise that those who receive all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious, and the things of this earth shall be added unto them. May we live in thanksgiving daily, especially during the seemingly unexplainable endings that are part of mortality. passing through physical, mental, and emotional trials that could cause you to cry out, when I have tried all my life to be good, why has this happened to me? Now I wish to encourage those who are in the midst of hard trials, who feel their faith may be fading under the onslaught of troubles. 
there seems to me no better answer to the question of why trials come and what we are to do than the words of the Lord himself, who passed through trials for us more terrible than we can imagine. You may have seen the need for that foundation as I have, at the bedside of someone ready to give up the fight, to endure to the end. If the foundation of faith is not embedded in our hearts, the power to endure will crumble. the Son of Mormon in the Book of Mormon told us how. He teaches the simple and sweet truth that acting on even a twig of faith allows God to grow it. That particle of faith most precious, and which you should protect and use to whatever extent you can, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have faith that the way to rise through and above trials is to believe that there is a bomb in Gilead and that the Lord has promised, I will not forsake thee. Curing does not come automatically through the passage of time, but it does take time. Getting older does not do it alone. It is serving God and others persistently with full heart and soul that turns testimony of truth into unbreakable spiritual strength. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, the hardest as well as the easiest of times in life can be a blessing. In all conditions, we can choose the right with the guidance of the Spirit. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ to shape and guide our lives if we choose it. We never need feel that we are alone or unloved in the Lord's service because we never are. We can feel the love of God. The Savior has promised angels on our left and on our right to bear us up, and He always keeps His word. His love is unfailing. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.